0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon, and remember. You are love. He is another. He's another gentleman, another godly man that plays a massive role. Like Kevin, Max, and Leo, uh, uh, three guys that have come up here and visited. He's another man that plays a massive role in my life. I thank him. I love him and his wife. And um, we're going to eat good after this and stuff. I told him. And, And this is your house, man. And you already know that. So I don't need to tell you that. But it's your house. And speak to your house the way you would speak to your house. Oh, man. I was a little worried in the introduction. There's a couple of spots in the introduction that I was like, "What is he gonna say?" <laughs> he said "Dug in waters." That's the first time I hear that phrase. I was snorkeling, and that's oof, I was in there deep. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something, man. Uh, first, I just want to honor your pastors. You gotta understand that we know Jesus is the head of the church but he uses men and women to establish, you know, what his heart here in, in congregations all over the city, all over the nation. And it's not easy being a senior pastor. Uh, the fact that he didn't, he didn't mention ties for two weeks, that's like, <laughs> you talk to any senior pastor, they're going to tell you, he did what? Um, but his, your heart, man. You guys have a heart, a pure heart. And you guys need to be grateful for that. You need to be grateful for that. And you need to, we need to guard our own heart, but you need to make sure that you lift up his hand so he can do that. Because sometimes we're too tired and too beat down and too wounded to even try to defend our heart or protect our heart as leaders. And in those moments, he needs people to lift up his hands, him and his wife. You hear me? So I honor you, man. Uh, I honor you. It's an honor to be here. Yesterday was, I don't even try to use words, but it was just, it was literally, it was a moment that you just couldn't get up. It was just, and and I told my, my wife, I said, what are you, you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, because you have, like, But I felt like I needed just to. I'm going to be. Can I be honest? I probably should have just stopped. And just. I should have just stopped. But you know what? I've always been a good starter and a lousy finisher. So sometimes, you know, I need to finish. You hear me? So, uh, can we pray? Father, I just thank you. Because you are so good that we cannot describe your goodness. Um, you're a good father. And uh and you've been doing something in this spiritual house, not even for the last month, but for a season now. And it's uh I'm just in awe of what you're doing here. It is evident, my God, that your eyes are are upon us, church. And today, Spirit of God, would you just move, reveal Jesus. Speak to each and every one of our hearts. We need to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice. It's not even about wanting. We need it. But we do yearn for it. Thank you for your presence in this place. Because you are here. And because the king is here, your kingdom is here. And everything that it brings with it. So let your kingdom come. And let your will be done in this place today. I submit my desires, my fears, my words, my intentions to you, Spirit of the living God. Would you speak today? We don't need to hear Max speak. We need to hear you, Lord. Amen. We love you so much, man. so passionately in love with you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, the seat turned up. Right one. When... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He knows I'm gonna be sweating and Bennett. <clears throat> so, I uh, kind of want to talk about a little bit about water. I know it's weird to, a weird way to start the, the service. But, uh, you know, we have, there's a lot of places that don't have running water, you know what I'm saying? Um, I went to Nicaragua, but I'm in Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, and we were in the, the, the border between Dominican Republic and Haiti. Literally, it was like over the mountain. And it was a little crazy. You know, there wasn't any running water. There was like, uh, there were tarantulas. You know, uh, I was bugging out a little bit. You know, uh, you know, I've gone camping in the Everglades and stuff like that. Like, you know, like we did it for like a season, maybe like seven or eight years straight. But I'm a city boy, you know. And uh, I was struggling with that. No running water and and tarantula. I'm like, man, if I sit down here and a tarantula pops up, you know. These guys might hear a few curse words. You know, it's just a little scary. I'm gonna be honest. You know, tarantulas—they're not small spiders. You know, they're just big boys. You know, so. Uh, but we use water for many things. You know, to drink, to to bathe. Thank you, Jesus. To clean, even to swim and thug in thugging waters. Uh, and just like we have many uses for water, the Bible has many meanings. Or represents several things. You know, one of the things is, is God's presence, God's word, cleansing or purification. And today we're gonna to see a few moments in scripture that water is, is very significant. Okay. Uh hopefully it gets better. I know right now I'm talking about water, but uh so I want you guys to come with me. All right. Exodus thirteen verses seventeen through eighteen, and this is what it says. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistines' territory. Even though that was the shortest route. Everybody say, shortest route. route. To the promised land. God said, if people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness. Say, wilderness. Towards the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Three things I want to talk about this verse. See, everybody here, each and every one of us, we have our journey. We're running this race as individuals. I'm married. My wife knows me like nobody knows me. But we're running as one, but also as individuals. You hear me? And we have our journey. And it's crazy how there was two paths to take in this scripture. There was a shortcut through the Philistine army, Yes. And It was the long way through the around about through the wilderness, and it was obviously going to take longer. And if you see, they decide going, they decide to go through the wilderness. Now, I want to speak to you here because some of us, some of us here are in one of those places, or all of us here are in one of those places. You might be here, you'd be like, man, I've been walking for such a long time, and I'm still dealing with some stuff. It just doesn't go away. Doesn't matter how many times I pray or I fast or I go on Sunday or I do this and I do that. It's just the, it's just still there. And it's been a year. It's been two years, three years. I want to encourage you because the reason that you are going the long way is because God is make, is allowing you to avoid some battles and some wars that your heart's not ready to deal with. Some things that might have turned you away from the things of God or some things that might have crushed you in a moment. And he said, you know what? Let's take the long way. But there's also a group of people that are here today that they've been fighting and fighting and fighting. Like, you know, somebody turned up the heat and it's hot. And you're like, man, I can't take it anymore. I'm so tired of fighting battle after battle after battle. I want you to have, I want you to have hope. Because the Lord is quickening your steps. You're in the shortcut the shortcut route. And it'll soon be over. Doesn't matter where you are. I want you to know today that there's hope. And God has not abandoned you. He hasn't left you alone in your wars or in your path to fend for yourself. He is with you. He has always been with you. And he will always be with you. A lot of the times the enemy makes us want to think that we're alone. And yesterday, yesterday I shared a, an example of sometimes as fathers, we see kids, our kids about to make a decision, a right or wrong decision. And as parents, instead of saying something, instead of saying no or yes, we stay back and we don't say a word. Not one word. And then our our, our children go, they look to the the left, to the right, they're looking around to make sure that no no adults, because they know that they have a decision to make. And whether they make the wrong decision or the right decision, they grow from that moment. So you, without saying a word, Help your children grow. God is the same way. Sometimes He doesn't speak a word, and sometimes it's for a season. But His silence doesn't mean that He's gone. Even though He's silent, He's still allowing you to grow. Amen? Amen. All right. Hmm. Exodus 14 1 through 4, and then we're going to read 10 to 12. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, order the Israelites to turn back and camp by, uh, I'm going to murder this name, Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across the Balsaphon, Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. Hmm. God is an expert at displaying his glory through your enemies. So I don't know what your enemy looks like right now, but in a little bit, it's going to look like God's glory. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Where were there, weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. Imagine. Let us be slaves. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than, than a corpse in the wilderness, man. Guys, God is in control of your journey. Nothing has escaped him. He's so into details. So into details. Now, I'm going to say something that, you know, maybe like a few years back, I was, I don't know if I told you this story, I probably did, but I was, we were, we were staying in my mother-in-law's house because we were trying to buy houses. We were, we were trying to save. So it was maybe, it was more than, maybe like eight or nine years back. And I remember that I would have my quiet time because we were, all four of us were in one room, you know, saying, and it's been crazy. You do not get too much sleep. You have your son's leg across your face. Your your daughter's kicking you. Your wife is there. You know, it's, it's crazy. But, we, you know, we sacrificed. And then I didn't have anywhere to have my quiet time. So I would go downstairs to, the downstairs to the downstairs bathroom, which is just, you know, a half bathroom. And I would just kneel there. You know, it's not the best place because you kneel down and you're, you know. It's just, so, So... <laughs> You know, and I was in there, and I and I was kind of trying to get in shape and work out and stuff like that. So, in the middle, of my in, in the middle of my my devotion, I had this thought: I was like, "What do you want me to do first? Do you?" Because I was hungry too. So, this is all going through my mind, and I'm in my quiet time, in my quiet, place, my secret place, and and uh, and I, this thought came to my head, and he's like, and it's like, "What should I do first? Should I work out? Should I have a quiet time, or should I eat?" Because I'm starving right now, and my focus is kind of. You know, I'm hungry. I'm I'm a, I'm a morning person, and I, and I need my breakfast. You know, some people can can skip breakfast. And I'm not, you know, I just, I wasn't one of those those people. Um, and I, okay, I had my quiet time. I worked out, and I ate. That's what I did that day. I'm at church, and I'm, I'm walking, and uh, the lead pastor of our church comes out, and he's meeting with somebody that, the flow is in the prophetic. And she comes, and she tells me this, this, and this, and that. I'm like, oh, cool. And then she's about to turn away, and she's like, oh, by the way, devotional, workout, breakfast. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? This wasn't a request. This wasn't a prayer. This wasn't a cry. It was an insignificant thought. But God is paying attention. To what you call insignificant. So he is with you. And and and, and sometimes we when we lose this this mindset, we begin to complain and, and oh, but no, he's he, he knows every single detail. You know, he knows God bless you, he knows, he knows, he has every hair in your head numbered. So he doesn't know how many hairs you have. He has every hair numbered, so that means some of you guys are already down to zero. But you know, <laughs> that means you know you're combing your hair, <laughs> and then and one falls off. He's like, that's number forty-two thousand fifty-five. We need to understand that he's 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 involved in our lives. He's not just standing there on a the throne, getting angry, getting happy with lightning bolts. Yeah. That's all there. But he is so invested in who you are and in what you're doing. He is there. He's all in. He gave it all already. He put all his chips on the table. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Let that sink in. He's with you. And it's crazy because these these guys, they're there. So they have the wilderness in the back and then they have the, the, you know the Red Sea in front of them. Can you imagine that being your place of, of, of living? How much do you pay for, for a waterfront on South Beach? Because sometimes we read through things, you know what I'm saying? But we don't, we don't read it. How much do you pay for, pay for a place by the water right now? I don't know, any realtors in the house? Millions, right? Fifteen? Fifteen? at South Beach, That's crazy. They have, every day they wake up to the sunrise on the Red Sea. Every night they see a beautiful sunset on the Red Sea, or on the other side, because it sets on the other side. The breeze of the ocean. Their food source. They have fish. All the fish they want. They can fish. They're in a great place. They're happy. They're, they're free. And all of a sudden, they turn around and they see Pharaoh, and their perspective changes. What was once a blessing is now a burden. What was once a blessing was now a burden. Our hearts, when, when things change, when, when persecution or crisis or challenges challenges come, we begin to tell the Lord, why? Why am I leading? Why did you tell me to tithe? Don't you see my account? I have negative $25 and I still got to pay the light. They're about to turn off my light. I I don't know about this tithing thing. Or why? why, why do I got to go to more? You know, I have plenty in my house. If I want more, I'll do it in my room. And we begin to call those things that are a blessing, a burden. And our hearts slowly begin to shift. And then something happens. God tells Moses, extend your hand. (laughs) It's funny how difficult situations cause us to extend our hands. You know, because sometimes we come here and we're like, ah. Not Not that, you know, not that you have to like extend your hands in worship. It's not like a must, but you know, I'm someone that believes if there's passion and love in your heart, there's no way that you can just sit there and have no expression of that passion and love. But sometimes God uses difficult situations for us to extend ourselves to a place that we've never been before. And and if you're going through that right now, extend your hands forward. And it's crazy what happens. They didn't even have have to get wet. They were delivered by God through waters of the Red Sea. Maybe today you're looking back and you see trouble. Extend your hands forward. Extend your hands forward. These people did not even get their toes, but they said, that the Bible says that they passed through dry lands. And then when they passed, you know, we've all, seen, we've all seen Prince of Egypt, right? Just in case you haven't read it in your word, but you've seen Prince of Egypt, right? So the first encounter of water, deliverance, deliverance. And all they had to do, all Moses had to do, was extend their hands. Even though there was murmuring, even though there was complaining, even though there was an attitude shift from gratitude to complaining, the moment that Moses extended his hand, there was deliverance. There was hope. There was life. Because they thought they were done. They said, why did you take us out of Egypt in slavery to tombs here in the desert. Then we're like, oh no, we're going back to Egypt. They were like, oh no, we're going to die. Have you ever been in a type of situation that you feel death is close? It's just me. You know, the place is so dark in your life or in your soul that you feel, man, death is wrong. I feel death is just creeping up on me. Extend your hands forward. Extend your hand. Don't look back. Don't look at your situation. Don't look at the, at the crisis. Don't look at your finances. Don't look at your bank account. Sometimes I don't even open up my 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 bank, bank of America app. Can I be honest? I don't want to I want to look what's what's going on in there because I feel like it's going to do damage to my faith. Because, but the truth is that my life does not depend of bank, on Bank of America. It doesn't depend on 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 Wells Fargo or Chase Bank. It depends on my Lord and my Savior and my good Father that He said that He will provide for everything that I need. So sometimes you, ca- you got to stop looking back and you got to just extend forward. And watch God open the waters. Amen? Amen? Joshua 3 verse 8 to 13. Give this command to the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord God says. Today, we will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, and I'm just going to say all the ites. You know, look, (laughs) look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priest will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, The flow of water will be cut off stream and the river will stand up like a wall. Another body of water. But this time, they're not looking at crisis, they're looking at the promised land. They're looking forward. Can you see your promised land? Can you see your family restored? Can you see your child coming back to Jesus? Can you see your finances overflowing? Can you see your marriage being restored? Can you see healing in your body? Can you see the land flowing with milk and honey? The people of Israel are there. After their parents wandered in the desert for 40 years, they all have passed, finally the promised land. All they got to do is cross the Jordan River. The instructions are different now. Now stretching your hand isn't enough. The time, this time they have to get wet the priest must first step in to the water and then the path will open. You see, we are moving into what God has promised. Stretching your hands on a Sunday is not enough. You need to stretch on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, every day. We need to go from stretching our hands to walking out our faith. You got to use your feet. You got to move. If we stay here Sunday after Sunday, just lifting up our hands, worry about poor old me. What Pastor Regal shared today, let me tell you, man, I, I didn't even have to come up here and preach. That word was so powerful because we come here looking for a touch because we are selfish people, yes? And we always have needs. We're always going to have needs. So we come here. And not that I don't want to make you feel bad because you're asking for God to touch you. But we need to we need to move from the realm of being touched to the realm of touching God. Yes. One is him saying I want you. The other is saying to him I want you. You hear me? Check this out. When what is better, being needed or being wanted? What's better? Do you want to to be wanted or do you want to be needed? What would you rather have? Why wanted? Because it's a choice. Because it's something that comes from deep within. We're always going to have necessities. You have necessities today. You're going to have necessities tomorrow and the day after. But when you say, I want to touch you, you say, I want you. That lady needed God, but she wanted him. Do you want God today? So no longer stretching your hands on a Sunday enough. On Tuesday you need to rise up and go to your secret place and say, you know what? I need to stretch myself forward on, so- on Monday too. And t- on Tuesday and Wednesday and let your children see you do that. Because they need a reference. Until they f- until they f- have that personal encounter with God. They need someone to look at that say, wait. They look alike. like the words that my, my words that my dad tells me sounds like the words that Father God says. The way my, my dad treats me is, is the way that Daddy God treats me. and not only not only does it doesn't become only something about you, but it becomes about your generations and your legacy. I have two beautiful children. they're back there. And I know that every decision that my wife and I make, they de- they're depending on that decision. I don't want just to give um, an, an inheritance of houses and cars and money. and all. No, I want to live so- leave something that's eternal. You hear? Something that, 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 that when this world goes away or when persecution comes or when destruction comes, that can't touch the inheritance that I've left my children. Stretching your hands forward is not enough. You need to step into it. And yesterday I said it, it doesn't need to be a leap, it just needs to be one step. Check this out from the edge of the river to the river, one step. As a matter of fact, maybe inches. You feel like you have to do something big. No, it's not something big that you have to do today. Just take the first step, walk into the rivers. And watch God take you to your promised land. I don't know what it is that God's promised you. I don't know what it is that you've been waiting for. But you've seen generations in the wilderness die in the wilderness. And now it's your turn. What's going to change? What's going to be different? Are you going to decide to take that step? Or you just want to roam in the wilderness for another 40 years? Those are the only two choices you got. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Are you guys here? And then the last encounter that I'm going to share is is of our Lord Jesus. And uh, it's crazy that before the Son of God, the desired one, steps into ministry or into the purpose and the calling that he has, He also has an encounter with water. And he goes. And he steps into the waters. Or he gets to the waters and he doesn't extend his hand. He walks. But he doesn't just take one step. He keeps walking. And the water goes to his ankles. To his knees. To his waist. And eventually, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and there is not one part of his body that is not submerged in water not one part everything that he is in his body is under water I believe that that there's a time coming for the church that extending your hand to, to the waters it into the waters is not enough there needs to be there needs to be a submergence of who we are into the waters of the spirit into the river of God I was talking to someone yesterday and I don't forgot who I mentioned it to but the moment that your feet leave the ground you're at the mercy of the current you go where the river wants to take you So the moment that you get submerged into water, everything changes in your life. Because it's no longer your, your your decisions, or it's your decisions, but your desires, what you want, everything that you feel. It's all about you, 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 you. It's whatever that river wants to take you, it's going to take you. Wherever God wants to move you, he's going to move you. And that's scary. Yeah? Or oh, we all brave men and women, and you know, oh, I'm good. Come on now. When you don't know where you're going, whew, you have no idea what the terrain is. Is there a waterfall? Is there sharp rocks? Are there gators in the water? You know, whew, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I want to be submerged because I'm done. Now I have to completely trust in that river. I have to completely trust in that current and understand that the creator of that river and that current. It's taking me to the place that he created me for. And what's interesting is. It doesn't end here. Genesis 2. Verse 5 and 6. We're almost done. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up from the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. Pay attention to this verse. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface. God. It says that God hasn't sent rain yet. See, rain was never plan A. Rain was always the plan B. Plan A was springs would well up from within the ground and water the surface of the ground. Yes? So there were springs all over the ground. The water that was contained by the ground or the earth would spring up from within the ground and water and nurture everything around it. Yes? It sounds familiar. Let's go to John John 7, 38 and 39. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. He who believes in him, Rivers of water would flow from within. Plan A was always the water being contained by the earth. When you die, you become what? You go dust to dirt. You go back to what you were created from. The plan of God was never to send rain, something from outside to bless you or to nurture you. The plan of God was always to be on the inside of you so that it could come from within you and nurture you. You, you hear me? And then in John, it takes it further. He says, rivers of living water, and what he's referring to is for, to the spirit of God within us. Are you hearing me? So everything that God has given you to live this life out to the fullest is contained within you. I know when you look in the mirror, it doesn't feel that way. I know when you fail time after time after time after time, it doesn't feel that way. But a righteous man falls seven times and seven times he gets back up. When I first heard that scripture, I was like, I need a lot more than seven times. That's not enough. I need like 150,000, uh, uh, 150,000, times he gets back up, or maybe even more than that. You can put whatever number you want to put there. If it's eight, it's eight. If it's a million, it's a million. For every time you fall, you rise up. That's righteousness. Because you're believing in something greater than yourself. A man that doesn't believe in something greater than itself never gets back up because, oh, poor me. But someone that sees God and knows God says, it's not about me. It's not about me. And even though I'm on the ground right now, even though I'm cut and I'm hurt and I'm dirty, I'm going to rise again. Are you guys hearing me? So if we... Don't get scared with what I'm about to bring up, okay? Don't judge me. We're not going to be popping bottles here. Don't worry about it. It's just... So if the Spirit of God is within us, Then why does sometimes it seem like he's not? Let's go to Acts 2. Acts 2. Verse 1 through 8, and then 12 through 13. And I'm going to finish with this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. Where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. I'm sorry. And as, as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Hmm. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Verse 12 and 13. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. In other words, they're drunk. Jesus leaves And he finally sends the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is. There's some people that are witnessing this and they're saying that they're drunk. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about being drunk. How many of us here? Let's say pre-Jesus, just to not uh, point fingers, (laughs) have been drunk. Raise your hands. <laughs> he raised two hands, boy. <laughs> he was lit back in the day. <laughs> I'll ask you a question. How do you get drunk? Excuse me? Drinking. Okay, so... Okay, excessively, right? What? So listen, I, when I was in my... Want to be thug life years? I didn't have money for good liquor, so I bought I bought O.E. and Schlitz Bull, the quartz, in the little quickie mart because that's all I can afford. Can I get? Can I? Can I get? No, nah, I'm playing the only man for that. <laughs> Some y'all be like, Amen, Pastor. <laughs> Going to the quickie right now, you know. And I hate the taste of beer. I hate it. But in order for me to have a good time with the girls, because I was so shy. I needed to get drunk. So you know what I would do? Since I hated the taste, I will open it, and I will chug it. On the verge of throwing up, so I'll take it to the head. One bottle. I can't even do that with milk now, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> One bottle, just chugged it. And all of a sudden, whew, you're feeling nice. You know, yeah. A lot of us, we want to be led and directed by the spirit. But the way we drink the spirit is, a, is the way a lot of us drink wine. We pour it in a cup and we sip it. We're sipping saints. We want the spirit because it tastes good. But we don't want to lose control. So we get a cup of the spirit. Mmm. Oh, nice. It's good for the heart. Mmm, feeling good. And we drink, sip, and then we put the cup down. We go eat something. We come back to the cup. We sip it. You know, we talk. We have the cup in our hands. Another sip. And we never get drunk. We're sipping saints. Our breath smells like alcohol. We have alcohol in our hands. If anybody looked at us, they'd be like, this person drinks wine or drinks liquor. But we're still in control. We never want to take it to the head because we never want to lose control. Because losing control means means trusting in someone that I can't see. Means something. means trusting in this being that says he's faithful, but sometimes I feel like he's failed me. But I like the spirit, so I'll sip it, so I can smell like alcohol, so I can taste the alcohol, but I'll never be completely surrendered to the alcohol. You know what happens when you get drunk? Have you ever seen a drunk person? You know? Everything changes. The way where they, where they walk. You know? When, you, when they pull you over and you're drinking, they make you what? They're like, the way you walk changes. The way you speak changes. Uh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Are you drunk? No. How many beers you had? One. And then even your personality changes you get the liquid courage. You can talk to any girl. You can, you can step up, step into any dude. You know, I remember one time I tried to hurdle a fence and I'm not even talking climbing. The fence was this high. I'm five foot seven on a good day. Depending on my shoes, I wanted to hurdle the fence. What was I thinking? Do I have to be supernatural to do that? I ran. Bah. I fell on my back. My boys were like, yo, you good? And I was like, did I make it? (laughs) You lose complete. Your perspective changes. What's impossible, you think it's possible. So why don't we just stop sipping the Holy Spirit and take the Spirit of God for who he says he is and take it to the head? Do you not understand that the way you speak will change? That the way you see things will change? Where you were a fearful person, I'm shy. I hated speech class. I didn't want to say anything. I was super shy, man. And look where God has me. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, the things that you saw were impossible are no longer impossible. Everything becomes possible. You lose control. Now when he says, open your mouth to that person that's in line and tell him what I want you to tell him. You speak. And a person's eternity is forever changed. We need to stop being sipping saints and take the Holy Spirit to the head. So that way your, your language could change. The way you walk changes. Come on now. When crisis come, you don't run. You stand firm, rooted in the word, standing in the walk. I'm not moving. Because my God, my Father is with me. When the Spirit of God takes control of you, things shift. Have you heard of a more honest person than a drunk person? That's exactly what happens when you let the Holy Spirit take care of you. You begin to speak truth and only truth. No more lies. No more deceits. No more more thoughts and experiences that you live. No, it's the truth. It's the word of God. And I will stand firm on it. I'm here to tell you. That we have come past the Sunday stretch. We have gone past the Tippy Toe, Jordan River. We have come past the submergence. Because Jesus said... Greater things you will do because no longer do you need to go to the body of water because the body of water now lives inside of you. Who else can put a little Colombian stumpy boy and, and a Cuban Key West dude at six years old preach to each other? Prepare the land from that moment because he knew what was going to happen here in Miami, in Les Church in 2020. He knew that we were linked in eternity. When you give him control, everything changes in your life. Now, I'm not telling you that all crisis is gone and all problems are gone. That's a, that's a Mickey Mouse gospel. That's not the gospel. The truth is that we're going to continue to experience conflict, but he has defeated this world and everything in it. You have you carry his victory. He has entrusted you to carry his victory. Today we have a decision. Nice church. Are you going to continue? Are we going to continue to sip, or are we going to chug this? And if you're recording this, you know what? I don't. I don't mean this bottle. I mean I mean the Holy Spirit. Are we? Are we going to relinquish control? Huh? <clears throat> this is not a one, one-time decision this is an everyday decision because you know what today you know you got the goosebumps the presence in this place you feel motivated and encouraged but tomorrow you're going to have to wake up and make the same decision and the day after you're going to have to make the same decision Just close your eyes where you're at. You can stand to your feet. song man that's ministered my heart in this season of my life it's a song called nothing else and today we need to make a decision because in reality nothing else is going to do it not your husband or wife not your children not your pastor, not your leaders the only person Because the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's a person. That can guide you in this journey. Give you the strength in this journey. Give you the peace in this journey. It's him. And I don't know if you're there. Are you in the place of nothing else? Sometimes it takes us a little while to get there. Sometimes we have to roam around in the desert for a minute. Until we realize that there's nothing in this wilderness that is going to satisfy what I have in my soul and my heart. And today, Daddy God is saying, son and daughter, I know the journey's been tough. I know that it's been a struggle. I know that it's been long. I know that it's been a fight. But would you trust me? Would you trust me? Just close your eyes, and we're going to worship for a moment. And don't miss this. Don't miss this.